0: Hello, and welcome to Indie Star's Politics Podcast. I'm Greg Weaver, the government editor, and I'm here today with uh, Tony Cook, our State House reporter, and joining us by phone is Maureen Grappi, uh, our Washington correspondent and uh, we're here today to kind of do a little debate prep, talk about the, the two big debates that are coming up next week in kind of our political world. The vice presidential debate between uh, Indiana Governor Mike Pence and Senator Tim Kaine will be uh, on Tuesday night at Longwood University in Farmville, Virginia, and then on Monday night uh, is the governor's debate Uh, which will involve uh, Democrat John Gregg, Republican Eric Holcomb, and Libertarian Rex Bell at the University of Indianapolis. But I wanted to kick things off uh, by talking about the the vice presidential debate, and uh, Maureen, I was hoping you could share with us a little bit about how Governor Pence has been preparing for this debate.
1: Well, both sides aren't giving a lot of details about, of course, what they're doing and what their strategy is. Um, We do know that Governor Pence has been practicing uh, doing mock debates with Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker, playing the role of Tim Kaine. He also got some advice from House Speaker Paul Ryan when Governor Pence visited Capitol Hill recently. Paul Ryan, of course, was the most recent vice presidential, Republican vice presidential nominee, and the two of them had a chance to uh, talk strategy, and Pence could get some advice from Ryan over breakfast uh, during that trip.
0: And what do you think are going to be some of the hurdles that uh, Pence will have to overcome in this debate? I mean, what kind of, how much ground does he have to make up, you know, for for Trump's performance in the presidential debate this past week?
1: His job is going to be what it's been throughout the campaign, which is to be the disciplined communicator of the pair. The one who is unflappable, who has points that he wants to make and, and makes them in a forceful, but in his trademark, more polite way. He is likely to try to attack Clinton better than Trump did on some of her areas of vulnerability, including her use of the private email server, the controversies or the questions that have been raised about the Clinton Foundation, and possibly also the controversial comment that she made about uh, that you could put half of Trump supporters into a basket of deplorables.
0: What does what else does uh, Pence have to do to be successful? To be viewed as a success in this debate? I mean, is there anything that he could be goaded on that would get him off message uh, that could uh, you know make him not be as unflappable as he normally is?
1: I doubt that he can be um, goaded into exploding or to to reacting the way. Donald Trump reacted to some of um, the things that Clinton said. But Tim Kaine has, on the campaign trail, he has talked about Pence's support for the religious freedom law that he signed into law, uh, although later agreed to amend. Um, Tim Kaine has said that Pence's record on LGBT issues is anti-civil rights, and Kaine has, as a private attorney, when he was in private practice before he has many government positions he focused on civil rights cases so that's an area that he's very comfortable talking about and could uh, bring up during the debate pence could have trouble one thing that he one area that trump could use some help on is he didn't seem to in his first debate do much to bring independence over his to his side he's got a problem particularly with women and he didn't help himself in the first debate in that area. And I spoke to one expert on political communications who said he doesn't see that that's an area, although Trump needs the help, that that's something that Pence could help him on because one of the reasons, one of the assets that Pence brought to the ticket is his long track record that appeals to social conservatives. He's been serving as a bridge to social conservatives. In recent weeks, he's made several appearances to social conservative groups where he's touted his opposition to abortion, his longstanding fight against Planned Parenthood. If the, if the Trump campaign is going to try in this debate to, to attract a independent audience, uh, attract women, that's not the kind of, of record that Pence is going to want to highlight.
0: So are you anticipating that this debate will be more serene than the presidential debate or?
1: Serene is one way of putting it. Other people are, have been using the, the be boring word potentially. Um, It's, it's, it's certainly not gonna draw the viewership that the first debate did, which uh, there was a record-breaking 84 million people who watched that, um, although the only time that a vice presidential debate has drawn more viewers than the presidential debate in that year is the Sarah Palin year. So this, this contest was already, the, the debate was already expected to not get, they never get the, the same audience and particularly this year where you have two people at the top of the ticket who are very well known, very polarizing and then you have their running mates who themselves joke that they're boring that they're the B-list republican celebrity you're not going to you're not expected to get the viewership or, or see the fireworks but one expert i talked to said that's not necessarily a bad thing this might if people would want to get a better sense of what are the differences between the two the two tickets this might be a better opportunity to get that without all the theatrics or all the fireworks. That's uh, sh- the way she put it. Is this is going to be two competent politicians discussing issues?
0: So, if you're more into policy than personality, this might be the debate for you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, well, um, let's uh, let's shift into the uh, the debate between the uh, candidates for Indiana governor, uh, Tony. Um, you're gonna be uh, covering that, and that's gonna be Monday night at the University of Indianapolis. And the focus is gonna be on economic issues, and we know that we've, you know, we've heard uh, John Gregg and Eric Holcomb kind of go at it uh, on this, this, these issues before. So we're probably gonna hear John Gregg talk about how Indiana's not keeping pace uh, in terms of uh, median income, and we're gonna hear Eric Holcomb uh, tout the job creation accomplishments uh, of the Pence uh, and Daniels administrations. How do, you, uh, how, how do we help uh, listeners uh, decide which is the right vision of Indiana's economy?
2: Right. I mean, the interesting thing about it is that both can be true. So when Eric Holcomb says we have record employment numbers and uh, 4.5% unemployment, which is a pretty good number, Yeah, he's right. Um, At the same time, when John Gregg says that we are falling behind the national average in terms of income growth, he's right, too. So um, in both of those cases, you know, it's not they don't necessarily contradict, although a cursory listening to both arguments, you would think there's a contradiction there. Um, So really, it's going to be in many ways a referendum on. Do Hoosiers feel like things are going great and they want to stay the course uh, with Pence's hand-picked uh, replacement? Or do they think things aren't going that well and they feel like there's a need for a change? And that's kind of the way that John Gregg in his southern Indiana moderate style is pitching himself. So those are the two options that I think the, the candidates are going to sort of lay out for – for voters uh, on Monday night.
0: So now aside from the the differences in their vision uh, or their view of wh- how Indiana's economy is performing, what do you see as their differences on policy?
2: Yeah, well, uh, you know, John Gregg has laid out uh, a, a good number of specifics. Uh, he sees an important aspect of his economic plan being uh, inclusion and making sure that uh, people feel welcomed in Indiana obviously that's going to touch on the Rifra controversy uh, as and and he wants to expand the state's civil rights laws to include protections for LGBT Hoosiers um, which is something Holcomb has been uh, standoffish about he thinks that the balance between gay rights and um, religious liberty is uh in a good place right now so he's not shown any interest in supporting that. Uh, Greg is also uh, wants to has a pretty large infrastructure program uh, 3.5 or north of three billion dollars worth of uh, borrowing that he wants to do so I'm sure that'll be a topic of debate Uh, and he wants to expand uh, the state's relatively small pre-K pilot program over the next three years into an all-out uh, universal uh, state-funded pre-K system. So Holcomb, who's only been on the ticket, you know, less than—I'm uh, not sure exactly how long—but certainly less than 100 days—and he's uh, so his his plans are a little less detailed. But he basically touts the state's AAA credit rating, its large surpluses and is pitching himself as the candidate who can maintain that kind of fiscal discipline. Uh, He said he does want to make new infrastructure improvements and investments, but he has said he wants to wait and see what the General Assembly comes up with in terms of how to fund that and that all options are on the table, uh, including possibly uh, tax increases. So uh, that's kind of where the two candidates are at. And uh, it will be interesting to see how deeply they get into policy during the debate, as opposed to simply talking about uh, or debating where the economy stands right now.
0: Yeah, and, and we know from the first debate that they, and at least in that debate, they weren't very successful at, at drawing distinctions you know, between themselves. Um, it was like a very, uh, just a very nice and calm, civil uh, discussion very friendly um, but you really couldn't distinguish much difference between the two of them uh, do you think we'll see anything of a more combative nature uh, Monday night
2: well I, th- I think so and uh, and I hope so not necessarily combative but I do think voters deserve to fully understand the distinctions between these two candidates and there are very crisp distinctions You just wouldn't have gotten that impression from the last debate, which took place at a school during school hours, and the Indiana Debate Commission sort of pitched that debate as a more educational opportunity for students than for voters, and the candidates say that they wanted to abide by that, and so you know, tried to avoid any real sharp exchanges, although I think the students would have enjoyed some sharp exchanges, um, giving them a real civics lesson. But nonetheless, it was pretty tame, and uh, and they you just wouldn't have walked away with the sense that they disagreed on very much when they actually do. One of the topics that didn't even come up was the pre-K expansion question, and, you know, Greg wants a universal expansion that's going to cost... Um, probably hundreds of millions of dollars and Holcomb has said he wants to expand uh, pre-k access too but wants to limit it uh, to low-income families and he wants to do a much smaller sort of expansion although he hasn't put a dollar figure on it Um, so as one that's one example of a distinction that just wasn't necessarily clear during the last debate and my guess is that as we get closer to the election And with these candidates in a close race, polls, you know, have shown them uh, pretty much neck and neck so far with neither one really pulling away. And so I think they're going to have to start drawing some of those distinctions if they want to try to break away.
0: Yeah. And. uh So to see if they actually do draw any distinctions, we would invite you to uh, follow our coverage on IndyStar.com. Monday night we'll have live updates uh, throughout the debate itself, Uh, and uh, we'll be doing the same uh, during the vice presidential debate on Tuesday night. So uh, please tune in to IndyStar.com, and until next week, so long.